Welcome to Pocketful of Grace, weekly podcast of Grace Lutheran Church here in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Carolyn Hetrick, and Pastor Scott Schul continues on sabbatical until the end of this month. He'll be back the beginning of September. For those of you who have been following along regularly, each week I've been joined by a guest to talk about one of the fruits of the Spirit that we hear of in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And this week, I am pleased to welcome the Reverend Kevin Schock, Assistant to the Bishop here in the Allegheny Synod and Director for Evangelical Mission, also assigned here in Allegheny Synod. And while he's getting settled in, just a little bit of background. We've been looking at the seven fruits and we are going to be talking about the fruit of joy this week. In Galatians, we hear, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Each week when we've been focusing on one of the fruits of the Spirit, we're trying to figure out how we make our way when we are all different and yet in some ways, all the same. Scripture tells us that because we're given the Holy Spirit in our baptism, we all bear, or perhaps even become, fruit. And today, as we're taking up the fruit of joy, Kevin, welcome. We were originally supposed to be doing this back in the middle of July, but baby Isabel had a thing to say about that. So thank you for your grace in rescheduling. Talk about joy, though. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Before we get too far down that road, because I could talk about the joy of having a granddaughter for hours, <laughs> could I ask you to read Eugene Peterson's translation of the Galatians passage from the message? A reading from Galatians. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, we develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Well, folks who have been listening for a while know that I have just fallen in love with this translation that Peterson has of this particular passage. And Part of what I love about it is that he calls joy by the phrase exuberance about life. It just feels like such a effervescent kind of thing. It moves us away from confusing joy with happiness, I think. So instead of asking you to delve into your day job bio, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about where you encounter exuberance about life. I know that I encounter exuberance about life uh, in relationship with other living creatures. Uh, sometimes those are human beings <laughs> and, and sometimes they're animals. Um, uh, as you know, Pastor Carolyn, my um, wife is involved in animal rescue and that has become a passionate part of my world as well. Uh, when I see Animals who have been shut down, uh, nervous in coming from bad situations, uh, blossom into these animals that love people despite the things that have happened to them before. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for me, that's really a, a sign of God's joy in, in all of creation. Uh, I think that sometimes we... 
we, we think about these things in human terms because we're human beings and that only makes sense. But I also think that these fruits of the spirit, after all, Paul uses the metaphor of fruits. It's mm-hmm. a creation. It's a growing metaphor. Mm-hmm. Those fruits are evident in all of creation. Yeah. And of course, you know, the whole Genesis creation narrative uh, talks about God not only speaking all of creation into being, but that all of creation is intricately arranged to be interdependent among the rest of the creatures of which we are just part of the creatures of the world. There is an interdependence and an arrangement that is on purpose. I love when it's in the Psalms and you hear about God you know, tracing the stars with the tip of a finger, which mm. is very poetic, but it, it reminds me that God's hand at work across all of creation is intended to trace the outlines of the ways that we are to interact and mm. to care for one another, um, to love one another, and to experience joy together. Um, we uh, have always had rescued dogs in our marriage, Michael and I. Mm-hmm. Um, our first dog, Sterling, Michael's favorite, and he's listening, so he'll now be thinking about that. Sterling was a German short hair pointer who was picked up in the city of Lancaster on Christmas Eve. What a horrible time to have been abandoned mm-hmm. from our human construct, right? right. I'm not sure right. that she knew right. it was Christmas, but <clears throat> uh, tugged at our heart. Uh, just after the first of the year, I was like, let's get a dog. And I was just going to go and look. Well, you know how that yeah, goes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the particular shelter was still one that wasn't making room for all pets. And so she was there on her last day when I walked in. And this little paw came out of the cage. She looked at me and put her paw out of the cage. And I was like, oh, that's it. I got to take this dog home. Mm-hmm. We have had two other uh, dogs that we have adopted who were rescued. Each has had their own challenges. Hers was a lot of anxiety from Mm -hmm. separation and being treated badly. Uh, We had a dog that had Lyme disease and had adenoid trouble. Um, Our current dog, Toby, is a sweetheart. He and his two siblings were in uh, a shelter uh, down in Virginia and were rescued by a friend who I didn't know was fostering. Mm-hmm. And um, they came to Lancaster County together and ended up in three different parts of town. Um, but just the sweetest dogs. And they had never known essentially a day outside of living in a crate because the owner had dropped them off at the vet's office when they were even too young for shots. Mm-hmm. So to see... Each of our dogs blossom has been really great. Yeah. Um, and I have a pandemic cat. I <laughs> saw a cat in our neighborhood by someone who rescues a lot of cats. That's his thing. And I was like, look, let's get a cat. And Michael was like, I don't want to get a cat. Well, you know, the cat just adores him. And Alex, the cat has uh, become a huge part of our life. And it's been great to watch his personality mm-hmm. and then him interact with, mm-hmm. with our dog, Toby, mm-hmm. um, which is just, you can see those personality changes that remind us that we're all connected. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. So if and, you if you guys could see our eyes right now, they're all bright because we're talking about <laughs> our pets. <laughs> but what, what you say, uh, what you said a little bit earlier, I think is true. 
And that is that we human beings are part of creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like, it seems like such a simple thing to say, but we often don't think of ourselves that way. I think we think of ourselves, uh, as we hear in other parts of scripture as the crown of creation, perhaps we're the ones who are supposed to tend to things. And so there's a hierarchy that's built up. Uh, but the things that I see emerging in animals are also the things that give me exuberance about life when I see them in people as well. Yeah. Uh, when someone is redeemed in some way, when someone who uh, has struggled or suffered experiences the life that we receive from God, from the Holy Spirit, that gives me exuberance about life too. Sometimes, if I'm being honest, sometimes it reorients me. Mm-hmm. It um, It makes me take stock of the things that I am frustrated about the things that I'm worried about and see that God is able to bear fruit in places where we don't think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. So there are two things that that makes me think of. And the first is um, when we were still talking about uh, the rest of the creatures of creation, we live with a Western European mindset, many of us. Mm Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you talk to people who are in the indigenous communities mm-hmm. around the world, they have a very different understanding of our ability to communicate and to aid one another across all of creation, mm-hmm. um, in- including trees. Part of it is our, our mainly Western European mindset about how we understand scripture as well. We sort of lay that over on top of Hebrew scripture, for example, um, because we're using the lens that we are most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is that actually really what I should take from that particular passage? But I, I think about, as you've mentioned, you know, people experiencing things that are redemptive and that it reminds us, again, of how we're intended to be far more communal than we often are. Mm, And I know that's a word that, that, you know, I think ever since the sixties probably feels a little different, the fifties and (laughs) sixties, um, uh, you know, uh, for, for a couple reasons. And and one is that, well, when you think about the sixties and we chuckle, you know, everybody probably has some story about a hippie commune, but even before that, it's closely related to communism, which in a cold war society, has affected our understanding of any word that starts with that, right? Except yeah. for community, which we're able to hold a little differently. Or communion. Also communion. Thank <laughs> you for that. But they all have the common root, and mm-hmm. so it, it sort of is an interesting linguistic thing to ask ourselves: How do we hear words that have the same root? C O M M U N is common to communion, community, communal. How do we separate those things out? In in my lifetime, as somebody who's going to be 59 soon, that was an entire system that we in this country fought intently against. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We do. We throw the baby out with the bathwater and say communal isn't, we don't hear it the same way. Mm-hmm. as we hear communion. I think that's one of the things that Paul was sort of getting at when he's talking about lifting up these gifts of the Spirit, because in the time in which he was writing, and Galatians is the oldest source of information about the early Christian church, mm-hmm. that he's talking about 
where people's allegiances lie. And he's talking about, and where can our loyalties be with the way that we as Christians are called to be? Mm-hmm. How do we sort that out? How will we not get stuck and in a perspective that isn't focusing on remembering that it's not just about individuals? We definitely undervalue community. Uh, I don't know how else to say it except plainly like that. Um, joy, joy is not an individual gift. Mm-mm. None of these fruits of the Spirit is individual. Mm-hmm. Joy is only experienced in community. We can do things to make ourselves happy. Chocolate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. Simple things like that. But we, we do not receive joy apart from other people. Or I think maybe even creation. Or, cre- or creation. Or right. creation. So, so sort of picking up on where, where you got us started. Um, if I go outside and I see a fabulous sunset and it gives me joy. Mm-hmm. To think about the creator of the universe and the beauty of that moment, I'm still not in isolation. I'm within right. all of creation. Right. We're, we're never not within creation. Right. You know. Right. And so when you say, which is I think is absolutely right, that joy is not an individual experience, we as individuals can can have joy appear in our lives, but. It's not because we are all by ourselves and that there's nothing else, no one else connected with that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, in the, even in those moments, I feel as though there can be the danger of thinking that that moment was created just for you, which is not, that's also not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but that, but that it is held to yourself. Um, when I hear people talking about how they find God in nature, um, I totally understand that. I very much understand that. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something just a little bit different of, and I don't know if it's a mindset. I don't know if it's a behavior pattern of thinking that this is a pretty thing that I'm looking at versus this is how God traces all of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I'm a part of that. Uh, maybe it's just a matter of reflection. I was, th- as you were talking, Pastor Carolyn, I was thinking one of, uh, one of the, my favorite things to do, we live in Howard about two blocks from our house. I can launch a kayak and go out and float on the lake. Super jealous. Just about anytime I want, except that this summer, we have been so wrapped up in um, aging animals and things like that that I have not found any time to do it. And new jobs and you know things, things like of that nature. And Saturday, I said, I, I have to do this today. Mm-hmm. I have to do this today. And yet somehow I found a way to not do it until Lisa said to me, you need to go kayak. I received that. I don't know. It wasn't admonition, but I received that as a gift. Mm-hmm. And there was something, there was a subtle difference between me just picking up and going kayaking and my spouse saying to me, I want you to go do this. You need to do this for yourself. It wasn't, it was, it was, it was not, I see you laughing. <laughs> it was not, um, 
Kevin, if you don't get out of the house, I'm going to strangle you. It was not that. No, um, it was. This is uh, this is for your health. This is for our well being. Our well being as a family. And um, and yeah, I did have those moments out on the lake that I went. I, w- I waited really late. I went really late. It was almost sunset by the time I launched, mm. and so I had my headlamp with me, which was. Um, there's another joy of being out on the lake completely by yourself. Hmm. Uh, and, and also a little bit of fear mixed in with there. Uh, but well, there's no other humans on the lake. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> there were a couple of people fishing on the shore and, um, it's easier to get scared by fish jumping out of the water when there's absolutely no other noise around. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I also knew I wasn't alone on the lake when I, uh, pulled back into shore, um, into a, cloud of mosquitoes which was just disgusting but but that's (laughs) well see i I will i will accept that for the joy that i received on the lake that night (laughs) it might have been god saying next time don't wait so long (laughs) i think that's exactly what it was i think that's exactly what it was and and you know you you said a minute ago um that well people will say you know well I, i find god in nature um but the risk of individualism there which of course i think really is that happiness joy uh, mm-hmm. dichotomy mm-hmm. I find it helpful to say that God finds me in nature oh that is a different it's a, it's a different perspective for it that's for sure God yeah. finds me in nature I might think that I'm out there and you know I'm that I'm taking the walk and I'm looking for God and I'm looking at bugs or whatever it is um, that I, I discovered this sunset you know. Yes, right, right. <laughs> Discovery. I'm yeah. I'm seeing things that no one else is seeing, right. or I'm uh, or I'm discovering things that no one else has yet experienced. Whereas, if God is finding me in nature, my experience of joy is not so much a discovery; it's an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's seeing that which is already there. And the way that we're able to see that which is already there and have our perspective shifted is absolutely the work of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit is comforter, is initiator, is lots of other things that when we think about God, I often feel there's a song in our hymnal, uh, Draw Us in the Spirit's Tether. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I got the title right. Um, but that notion of being drawn in close by God mm. and our, our vision, our, our perception is being drawn in a new direction by God. God finds us in places because yes. if I have to find God, I mean, I lose my car keys every day somewhere so if i have to find god there are gonna be days where god's just not gonna be found right uh, but it doesn't change the fact that where we are is in creation it simply changes what i think is sort of another iteration of of the story of the prodigal the father runs to the son mm-hmm. the son's walking and thinking he's headed home and he's maybe got conflicting things about what's happening there. But the father runs mm-hmm. to the son. And I see that that similar imaging um, 
when I get told to go take a walk or I don't have a kayak, <laughs> but, uh, or even you need to go to the gym, you know, right. but it, it's, it's when someone is speaking the truth we need to hear, which is that our perspective is out of sync in some way. Yes. Yes. And I think that the fruits of the spirit, um, are the ways of reorienting our perspective so that we are in sync with God and in sync with creation and don't fall victim to um, what sin does, which is create separation. Yes. Yes. For what you say, I find to be absolutely true. It's about shifting perspective and, and having not us shifting our own perspective, but having our perspective shifted. And as you were talking, one thing, I don't know who said this, but I know I've read it before. Maybe you know who said it. The simple phrase, all is gift. Oh, I don't know who said that. I, I know who said all is well, and all shall be well, and all shall be well yes, indeed. That's yes, Julian Adorowicz, yes, but that's yes, not Julian. what we're talking about. Um, all is gift. And I can't remember where I've read that, where I've meditated on it. But I think it's true. It's true. Uh when it comes to our relationship with God, all is gift and not gift in the sense that um, the gifts that we open up and find their way to the attic, you know, in a couple of weeks, but the gifts that really transform our lives and allow us to see things in God's perspective. Yeah. Uh, in the whole of creation. Um not just some mystical thing. <laughs> I mean, there's that too. Uh, nothing wrong with mysticism. Uh, but also, I think going hand in hand with mysticism is a sense of feeling grounded. Mm-hmm. And when you are even just having a conversation with somebody or petting a once anxious dog and you just feel like you are deeply rooted in the place where you are, that to me is exuberance about life. Yeah. Exuberance, that word brings a picture of cheering, shouting, uh, (laughs) loudness, celebration. Exuberance can also happen in quiet depth. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever you are, when you know that you are experiencing life in the fullest. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I notice about... Um, a word like exuberance is that it really can't be fully contained. It's It's, not bound to an individual. Yes. That's right. Yes. It is, uh, when we think about all the metaphors uh, linguistically that we have for the spirit, whether it's, we talk about wind and we talk about fire and we talk about, um, you know, all kinds of movement, Uh, even water. Have you ever tried to truly control the flow of water to one drop. It's really, really hard. I was obviously not a chemistry major, but these things can't be contained. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when we think about that imagery, that's the work, the, the visual for the spirit that we hear about in scripture, and we think about the, the exuberance and expansiveness and just like the ebullience of things that well up and, and give us joy, um, they last those things last in our soul far longer than um, something that I thought was going to make me happy today for 15 minutes. Yes. Yes. Um, 
for me, uh, and not only with with our pets, although they are a, a good example of that, any time that I'm having uh, a conversation or a time with folks and there will be something that just sort of like lingers in your ears or lingers in your mind about the time that you were together. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something that was said. Maybe it was the person's expression. Maybe it was the space that you were in and how it felt just so. Um, those are the things that I carry with me that give me joy. And it mm-hmm. can be all kinds of things. Yes. Um, years and years and years ago, I was in seminary at the time. We had uh, a breakfast that we offered for people that was free in the city. So there were all kinds of people that would come to the breakfast. And after a while, you get to know these people. And, and I was the vicar at the time, but the one guy used to call me Victor. I was, <laughs> you know. And then he, he wasn't sure because I wore a clerical shirt, so he called me Pastor Victor. But he wanted to give me something. And I hear him yelling my name from down the hall. And he's holding up a recycled water bottle with pink fluid in it. Mm. I made this for you. And it was like crystal light lemonade. Mm-hmm. It's got stuff swirling around yeah, in there. Yeah. And why I remember that as a moment of joy is not how terrified I was about the quality of what was inside the recycled water bottle and whether I should drink it or not. It was the look on his face that he came to give me something that he felt that he had something to give and that I would receive it. Yes. And that was the joy. Yes. Yeah. Might have had a little bit of fear about whether this was actually a good idea to have any of it. But he was so joyful that he had something that he could give, that he wanted to offer, that he, he had accomplished it. And here we are in this moment and you've seen me and you're going to accept my gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was just such a grounding and beautiful moment because this was a person who most weeks came in, sat by himself, talked to himself, didn't necessarily interact with people easily. And for some reason on that day, I always said hello, you know, you just make casual conversation quickly while they're walking by. Something had moved in that person. I want to give Pastor Victor a gift Mm -hmm. of... Mm -hmm pink crystal light in this recycled water bottle that I found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he had so much joy that I had to, I had to open it up and take a sip. Yeah. Well, everyone's eyes are like, what's going to happen? Yeah. But the joy was in, in his heart. Yes. And I got to yeah. see that expanding beyond him. That's that can't be contained kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 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 And I think in community, you know, we can all follow to our usual routines of, of our ways of being and the people we see, the places we go, the things that we know, the way that we do things. And there's a comfort in that routine. But I hope that part of believing that God will bring joy into our midst so that we can have our perspective shifted because God has met us with that is that we're able to imagine that we can be surprised by joy. I, I hope that we can still retain a capacity in our lives to be able and willing to be surprised. I pray that that's the case. I think that receiving the gifts of the Spirit, allowing the fruits of the Spirit to be cultivated in us and among us requires us in some way to simply be open to them. Uh, And how people become open might happen differently. Uh, But for me, it is in 
allowing space outside of the routine, mm-hmm. outside of the to-do list, outside of the the ways that we expect things to happen, the ways that we want things to happen, which is something different entirely. Uh, but I think that I know that anytime I can name joy coming to me, it's always a surprise. Mm-hmm. It's never something I expect. It's something I recognize now. But it's never something that I think to myself when I go into this interaction or when I uh, pick up this animal or when I do this or do that, I'm going to experience joy. It never happens in that way. I'm always surprised by it. Takes me back to the very beginning of Peterson's uh, translation of verse 22. What happens when we live God's way? God brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Yes. Yeah. Just love that, which is probably a good way to, to sort of bookend our conversation about that. Before we are done today, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you're in a relatively new day job in your life as a pastor. And can you just share a little bit, a moment or two about where you see uh, exuberance for God's way in your travels around the synod or whatever you'd like to share about how it feels to be the assistant to the bishop and the DEM a few months into your uh, sojourn now? Those are, those are two very different things. I feel (laughs) like, Uh, well, you uh, can pick which one. Yes. I, I see exuberance about life whenever I see, whenever I go to congregations who normally invite me in and they want to have conversation Mm -hmm. about how they might imagine ministry in a new way. And it doesn't mean a radical reorientation of everything that they are doing. It may just mean we see this need in our community and we want to know how to meet it or we want to, we want to discuss how we can meet it. Uh, we know that the way that we are doing things is not always life-giving, and so we want to focus on the things that give life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where I really where I receive exuberance about life and where I also, where I experience it. Um, I love to have, I think that God is a God of possibility Mm -hmm. and I love to have conversation with people about the possibilities that God has already placed right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. If only we can break out of our routines. Right. (laughs) And, and our expectations (laughs) and the way that we want things to be. Yeah. 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 So when Paul wrote Galatians, it was quite literally a letter, like old school letter, right? And it was sent around because he couldn't be everywhere easily. Mm -hmm. You know, traveling was by ship and by foot, you know, and uh, so we used to have to tell people how this letter functioned. And yet I think in some ways um, we can communicate really broadly and quickly thanks to technology. And yet at the same time, this side of the pandemic, whatever we're calling this time that we're in now, um, we can't be everywhere all the time for a variety of reasons, right. distance, health, and other things. Um, and I'm wondering if you have a thought about how the fabric of the church holds together uh, these days. If I'm being honest, it's tenuous. Uh, we because I think that we are trying to hold on to something from our past. Mm. And instead of seeing the possibilities that God has put before us, I do think, 
I think we're fraying, but fraying is not always a bad thing. <laughs> um, I think that, uh, <clears throat> that in that fraying, we're able to see the pattern of the things that really hold us together. Mm. Not the things that we think hold us together, but the things that God has given us that hold us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like these fruits of the Spirit, um, things like uh, the fellowship of the many parts of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are really things that we gifts that we have been given that bring us unity. And sometimes we're so focused on being uniform or being right that we fail to see that unity. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried for the church. I wouldn't even say I'm worried for our church body or anything. I do know that whatever implodes in the decades to come, because I know that the church will look vastly different. It already looks vastly different. It will, it will continue to look vastly different uh, in the next 20 years. I know that God will bring new life, undoubtedly. And that the church, I think, will become even stronger um, in, our, in our bonds to the Holy Spirit, in our bonds to one another, and in our bonds to all of creation. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, uh, hybrid is a word, too, that we use that we never used to, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes we're in person and sometimes we're not. But we have ways to do both and. And mm-hmm. um, I really celebrate when there are places and people who have been really open to living into the different ways that we can, you know, hear and learn and, and, and do things together uh, even when we can't physically be in the room. And I hope that the enthusiasm that some people have, have really marshaled, who may not have set out to say, I really want to know more about a technological thing at this point in my life, but the the energy that people have put into trying to be together in the last couple of years, when, mm-hmm. we, when we really got a chance to see how much we value being together as people. Mm-hmm. I hope that that carries the day because uh, that is, uh, in some ways, the the fraying and the rebuilding that God has been doing. And I think it gives us great possibility Mm -hmm. because we realize Mm -hmm. that our our time together in community, however it is that we have that time, um, is really precious. And it does take tending, but the Holy Spirit's already there doing the tending, saying, hi, I'd like to lead you into this mm-hmm. because there's so much beautiful that can be done. I Damn. have, I have noticed that I am, I'm learning how to be present with people. Mm-hmm. I think it was always a gift of mine. I think things changed a lot for me and for the world during the pandemic, uh, where even when I'm just meeting, meeting friends somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, for some conversation, it doesn't quite feel the same way as it did before. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's something that I am because I think that I think that I won't go as far to say that the pandemic was a gift. It was a terrible burden on on society, on humanity. I think that God can build some good things out of it mm-hmm. in exactly what you mentioned, yeah. and that is how we are 
how we're present with one another, how we, um, by the grace of God, seek to be more inclusive of one another and make space for one another, uh, even if it means that that space is on a computer screen. Uh, I, I, I'm, I feel like that's the thing that I'm dedicated to in my own, in my own walk of faith, mm-hmm. learning how to be present with people. And I, and I almost said relearning, but it's not, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning for the first time. <laughs> wow. The Holy Spirit is going to help us all to continue to learn as long as we're willing to be open. Right. Yes. yes. So, well, how about, are you willing to offer a closing prayer for our time today? Absolutely. Thank you. Let us pray. Holy One, you bind us all together. Not just human to human, but with animals, with trees, with the sun and moon and stars, with rocks and waters. All of the things that you have lovingly created and whose pattern and presence you know intimately. Lord, deliver to us the gift of joy in presence with one another. Deliver to us uh, the fruits of your spirit that they may um, appear in our lives in unexpected and surprising ways. And let us then use those gifts and those fruits, cultivate those things so that we become stronger as your body in the world, uh, as members of the human family uh, and as creatures that you have lovingly made uh, among all kinds of things. Grant us your joy this day and let us see everything that we receive as gift through Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It really was a joy. It was. I had to say that. I had to say that. (laughs) Friends, stay tuned for Sunday. We'll gather for in-person worship at 8, 9, and 10.30 in the morning and 6 p.m. all in the sanctuary here at Grace. You can also listen on the radio on WRSC at 10.30 in the morning. Or you can catch our live stream by visiting glcpa.org and when the home screen says click here to watch worship, click there and it will take you to our current worship service which you can watch starting at 10.30 in the morning or watch it when it's convenient for you. And as always, friends, however we gather, in person or in spirit, it is a joy to be with you as we continue to follow Jesus. Take care.